Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Monday, October 9th, 5.29 a.m. Central Time. Grain markets are higher across the board this morning. December corn futures up four and a half at 4.96 and a half. November soybeans up eight and three quarters at 12.74 and three quarters. December Chicago wheat up nine and three quarters at 5.78. December Kansas City wheat up nine and a quarter at 6.83. December spring wheat up 11 and a half at 7.32. Uh, the big news over the weekend was out of the Middle East. Why don't we start there? Yeah, so oil prices rallied following a new conflict in the Middle East. The Israel-Hamas conflict caused crude oil prices to rally nearly $3 per barrel early this morning. Israel and Palestine are not major oil producers, but the region is known for its oil production. Israel formally declared war against Hamas on Sunday and has drafted a record, a record 300,000 reservists in response to the surprise attacks. The death toll has reached at least 1,100, while thousands have been wounded on both sides. The Wall Street Journal reported yesterday that the attacks on Israel were backed by Iran. So this is the big uh, geopolitical news over the weekend. We're not going to get too much into the politics of it, uh, although you definitely could. Um, as far as the crude oil market is concerned, we had a big setback last week. So this December WTI contract lost $7.5 last week and we're up $3 to start this week. So for the moment, this is just a retracement. Um, what a lot of people are looking at right now as it relates to the grains. So you look at crude higher, does that help the grain markets this morning? Yeah, it probably does. The The big question or, or maybe working theory for a lot of people is that we posted a harvest low in the corn market. Uh, December corn futures bottomed at 468 on September 19th. And if that was your harvest low, it would be very, very normal. Uh, a harvest low around October 1st, give or take, on average over time, that's what's normal. And we've rallied 30 cents from then, or, or nearly 30 cents uh, from that low. So was that the harvest low? I don't know. There are some things that are still of concern for me, uh, the river situation, uh, the lack of, of demand, generally speaking. Uh, the spread markets have not acted well in corn, like your Dece to March corn spread, still 15 cents a carry. You haven't seen a rally in the spread markets, but uh, flat price looks hell of a lot better and maybe some improvement on the river coming as well. So rains are expected over northern areas of the Mississippi River Valley this week. Accumulation is expected to begin on Thursday and continue through the weekend. Areas of Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, and Wisconsin may see three to four inches of rain in total over the next seven days. Nebraska, South Dakota, and Michigan may see similar amounts. The Mississippi River at Memphis is 10.2 feet below normal this morning. Government projections, which only take into account forecasts for the next 48 hours, indicate that record lows could be set later this week. Yeah, so I wouldn't read too much into the projections because, as Mackenzie said, the, the government, like this chart, if you guys are watching on YouTube, this chart here only takes into account expected precipitation over the next two days. And these rains that are in the forecast, they're not going to start till Thursday. So none of this stuff is being figured in to the government projections uh, for river levels. And these are some pretty heavy rains they're talking. I mean, three inches, four inches of rain in these uh, uh, areas of the Mississippi River Valley, which would be, you know, the Illinois, uh, Iowa border, um, areas further north than that. So this could be very, very helpful. And I know a lot of you guys said, you know, Joe, it's dry and, and the runoff just isn't going to be there. But this is some pretty significant rainfall that they're talking here. 
So ideally, yeah, we'll see some river improvement, which will help to improve basis, help to improve export prospects, maybe help to improve flat price. Uh, we need these rains pretty bad, although they will uh, result in some harvest, uh, I guess you could call them delays in some areas, if those rains are as big as advertised. But I think overall, it's probably a good thing. So if you guys are not already subscribed to our premium content, you need to do so. Joe, can you tell me about some videos we put out last week to our premium subscribers? No, because I wasn't here. Uh, okay. No, I, I can. So Shay was on Friday and Shay talked about storage. Um, what exactly did Shay talk about? I think he had some numbers that kind of tie into uh, grain storage. Yep, he sure did. And he had a, he had a spreadsheet tool um, that we obviously put out in our email that um, helps figure in all the costs and the, everything that goes into storage and how it benefits people and how maybe it doesn't. Super hot topic this time of year, especially this year, given the uh, interest rate situation. And then Paul was on on Thursday, and I did watch this video, why Social Security is an investment and not a tax um, this is is the way that Paul likes to view this. And, uh, you know, we talk about grain markets and grain marketing here, guys, but anything that can help you guys out on your farm operation is is uh, fair game for us in regard to these videos. What did you and Matt talk about on Wednesday? Uh, so we basically just talked about how it's dry back throughout the Corn Belt and uh, how that dryness is impacting soybean yields. And then also how the Mississippi River levels, which we've talked about this a thousand times, how that is impacting exports and how it's going to soon start impacting um, floating fertilizer up the river. We also touched on the weather down in South America a little bit. And then uh, Tuesday last week, how big is a normal post-harvest rally? I was on this video. Um, so we ran through a bunch of history and uh, let's work for the moment as if uh, that 468 from a couple weeks ago, say that was the harvest low. Okay. On average over time, what would be a normal post-harvest rally? Uh, ran through a whole bunch of data, uh, put some actual projections or, or potential targets on this based on history. If you guys want to see the premium stuff, first off, our, our list of contributors here is absolutely fantastic. Um, videos from, from all these people and myself every single business day. Uh, go to standardgrain.com. I'll send you over all of those videos we just mentioned here this morning. This is a $50 per month subscription. Cancel at any time. No other fee, no other obligation. Nobody will try to sell you anything else. Just a ton of info direct from us every single business day, guys. Chinese corn production estimates are increasing. The USDA's post in Beijing released its grain and feed report last week. Office pegged the country's corn crop at 280 million metric tons compared to USDA's official estimate of 277 million metric tons. The office said that the production impact of the summer's, uh, summer's typhoons was limited and cited larger acreage and improved yields. The office also estimated the country's corn imports at 20 million metric tons versus USDA's official estimate of 23 million metric tons. So they added 3 million to the crop. They took 3 million off imports. Um, that 280 is a little bit closer to where the Chinese government is projecting the crop. So we we were told, you know, what a month, six weeks ago, two months ago, that these very heavy rains in uh, the northern part of China, northeast part of China, uh, were going to have a big impact on the corn crop. And it turns out that they did not. And uh, USDA's office in Beijing uh, telling us as much. This was out Thursday last week, but I wanted to include this uh, since I was gone, I think this is important information. According to the Rosario Grains Exchange, Argentina's wheat crop could suffer massive losses this year due to another drought. The exchange is forecasting a crop of 15 million metric tons this season. Uh, last season's historic drought caused the country's wheat harvest to fall below 13 million metric tons. The drought is also delaying corn planting. If dry weather continues on, some corn acres may be switched over to soybeans. 
uh, meet the new drought, same as the old drought. It's the same drought. And right. um, they they like return to this wet season around this time of year, but it hasn't happened yet. There's really not much in the forecast. I've kind of got a rough circle around Argentina's uh, corn and soybean production here, and that's a bigger deal than the wheat production uh, by far. So could you see a repeat of what happened last year? I mean, if it doesn't start raining soon, yeah, you could start talking about that. I mean, last year was an absolute disaster. They had less than half of a soybean crop in Argentina, but this is uh, absolutely something we're going to have to start paying attention to. We're going to start, uh, we're going to have a lot more South American weather talk uh, here on the podcast as we move forward. Absolutely. Large money managers trimmed their net short position in the corn market last week. CFTC released weekly commitment uh, commitment of traders data on Friday. During the week ending October 3rd, the funds were net buyers of 11,000 contracts of corn. They were net sellers of 24,000 contracts of soybeans, and they were net sellers of 3,000 contracts of SRW wheat for the week. So remember, this is as of last Tuesday, and we had uh, some upward price movement uh, late last week. So these numbers are probably, I mean, they're always outdated, but uh, they've probably changed. And there was probably some short covering in corn and maybe SRW wheat also. Uh, the soybean market is the one that has been kind of a drag here. I mean, we're only, what, like 20 cents off the recent lows, which is not a substantial rally. And the, and the enthusiasm among large speculators for the soybean market has uh, died down a little bit, certainly close to flat as of last Tuesday. U.S. job growth accelerated in September. Non-farm payrolls increased by 336,000 last month, the most since January. The labor market remains overheated, which could result in another rate hike before the year is up. Unemployment was unchanged in September at 3.8%. Average hourly earnings rose 0.2%, the smallest gain since June of 2021. Stocks responded positively, with the Nasdaq gaining 1.6%, the S&P climbing 1.2% and the Dow increasing 0.9%. We've still got an 81% chance of a Fed pause in November. So I think that there are a lot of Fed members who think like we should stay at this rate. Nobody's really talking cuts yet. Some of them still think we need to raise and, and raise multiple times, but general consensus right now is, is no hike in November. Uh, what did cattle do last week? Uh, they had a rough week. However, they did end the day up on Friday. Feeder cattle futures closed an average of 79 cents higher. Live cattle futures closed an average of $1.01 higher. Cash cattle trade in the north ranged between 182 to 184, which was steady to $2 lower. Cash cattle trade in the south was anywhere between 182 to 183. That was steady to $1 lower. $1 lower. Choice box beef closed Friday at 302.01. That was up a buck 23 on the week. Select closed Friday at 275.78. That was down 26 cents for the week. Quick note, guys, I believe all of your government reports are delayed a day this week due to Columbus Day. So I think uh, crop progress and export inspections are out tomorrow and everything else is delayed a day. And then we have a USDA report Thursday. We'll talk about that uh, beginning tomorrow. Outside markets this morning, US dollars up, stocks are down. Uh, the S&P is down 22. The Dow's down 140. Bonds up a little bit. Crude oil is up $3.25 in the no November WTI at 86.04 last trade. Have a great day, guys. We'll talk to you on Tuesday.